Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. And today, we're going to be interviewing Amanda M. Hello, uh, my name's Amanda, and um, I'm doing pretty good today, um, over two years sober as of August. I mean, life's pretty good for me in recovery. I wish I would have done it a long time ago. That's great. So you said two years in August? Two years in August. I don't know the exact date because, I, I mean, I know it was somewhere in August. <laughs> 2019. <laughs> gotcha. So, we're going to be interviewing Amanda about her life before when she was in active addiction as well as her recovery so amanda tell me a little bit about your childhood actually i had a really good childhood i mean my mom didn't raise me but my grandparents did i mean i had one of them childhoods like a tv show you know where we had family dinners every night and you know i mean i had a really blessed childhood i can't blame a bit of my childhood or my addiction on my childhood I mean, it was it was a really good childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you say that it was like on TV, because sometimes I watch the shows on TV, and uh, I had a rough childhood, so I'm like, are there really people like this? So I guess you just answered that question. <laughs> so your childhood was good. That's great, actually, As you, because a lot of times I hear the opposite, and it's most of the time you hear the opposite when it comes to us addicts. But, yeah, you do. I mean, when, I, when I'm almost every addict I run into, very few people had a really good childhood. Like my, my, my husband, we've been together 27 years. He had a childhood that could have been a Lifetime movie. <laughs> His oh, childhood no. was terrible. Oh, no. It's, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What age did you start using? Well, I would say about 16 was when I did my first line of meth. And, and I really liked it. I liked the energy. I mean, you know, kids in the 90s, we partied. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, we all paid for it later, but yeah. So you I said was about 16. 16. And who did you do it with? Like your first time, was it a friend? Was it family? Actually, it's with the man I married. It was with my husband. Okay. At the time, we weren't married. I mean, it was when we were first dating. I mean, it's just what everybody was doing back then. That doesn't make it right, but. So, was, so, okay, you said your family went well. What about school and stuff? So, school also, you you were, I guess, you were fine and you didn't get made fun of or anything, or any insecurities? No, actually, I did get made fun of at school. School was always hard on me when I was young. Um, my mouth wasn't wide enough. I had to wear a big retainer, and so I had cross teeth. So, I mean, kids were so mean to me all through elementary and middle school. They would call... 
uh, but yeah, kids would make fun of me and call me butt tooth. I had a really hard time with making friends until I was like 12 years old. Yeah, I, um, I understand that because I used to be a heavy set kid and for a fat kid, kids are really mean, you know, so. So you know what I'm talking about. So, oh yeah, because I was saying I was a heavy set kid, but I eventually in high school lost a lot of weight and then I became more popular. It's pretty weird, you know? And yeah. For you, was so you were like this all through high school and... I, well, no, something, I guess, you know, girls change when they're 12, 13 mm. and then, I mean, I ended up making friends really easy and I mean... But um, when I was in high school, uh, when I turned 16, I got more into partying than I did school. <laughs> okay. I mean, I ended up, um, I didn't get my diploma. I ended up getting my GED, and I got married really young. And just lots of partying, but it was never a problem. I know you're probably trying to get to when my addiction started to be bad. And um, I would have to say that uh, my second child, she was sick. Like, when she turned two years old, sick all the time, and we, we couldn't figure out what was wrong with her, and she ended up dying at two and a half years old of a brain tumor. And that's when my my uh, I started getting really into drugs because I was trying to drown out the pain of losing my child. Wow. Honestly, I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. What what age did that happen to you one more time? Um. See, she was... Hold on, I'm going to figure it out. I think about 25. I was 25 years old. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something... I, w I think I would be the same way as far as a huge trigger. That's a, that's a yeah, traumatic I did, thing. Yeah, I didn't want to feel... And to top it all off, um, I named her Hope. So every time I would try to get sober or go for help, you know, 10 years into my addiction, you know, when I start, and people would say... Well, there's hope. That was a trigger. And so it took me a long time to even begin recovery because, you know, when you first go in and you're telling people you're an addict, they're like, well, let me give you some hope. And, you know, with that being a big trigger for me, I mean, it was really rough. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're in recovery meetings. I'm sure that, like you said, that word is just probably thrown at you a lot. Yeah, now when I hear it, I mean, it makes me smile, but there was a long time when I couldn't even hear the word hope without just being triggered bad, and we all know what we addicts do when we get triggered. So, um, my last question was, this. so you started using drugs mostly at 25, so before that, would you claim it to be, you don't think it was a, par a problem? Was it still in the... Like before that, I was like... Uh, a weekend user, if I was around, I mean, I would use them just like recreational. But after I lost her, it wasn't recreational. I mean, the second I left the funeral, I was looking for some way to get high. And that carried on for 14 years, trying to drown my grief. I didn't want to feel anything. So from the time, 25, when, um, at, when I lost her, after we got out of the funeral, me and my husband both... We decided we didn't want to feel that pain, and we just, it, it started a horrible, horrible life for the next 15 years. So a lot of people... Because you can't drown out emotions forever. 
a lot of us try, and I know I did, and that's something that obviously doesn't work. There's nothing that you have to face your emotions. Yeah, eventually you're going to hit rock bottom, and you're going to hit rock bottom hard. <laughs> yeah, do you think being married to an addict contributed to that lasting so long and so bad? Because, you know, they usually say, try not to be with... I, actually, I don't know. Like, I, What's your opinion on being with an addict? You know what I mean? Like I said, what do you, do you think it contributed to the length? Because 14 years is a long time. So do you... Th- well... I, I, I don't know that the problem is, I mean, he got better before I did. I mean, he sobered up years before I did. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not the one to judge with that. I've been with one man my whole life, my husband Ben. I love him with all my heart. We've been together 27 years. I mean, I'm sure that it can't be good if you're both toxic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we were, <laughs> but I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, what were you like? Like, um, were you a happy user? Were you a sad user? Were you, like, a party girl? You know what I mean? Because some, some people, they're using it for depression, and for some reason, they make them just sit there. And sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes the drugs I was using to drown out the depression would make me more depressed. Well, um, sometimes that would happen, and then, really, um, because well, I had a baby that was younger. Uh, Hope was my middle child. So I had a daughter that was older and then a baby that was younger. So I was the pers- the mom that, that hid in the bathroom and used and spent the rest of the day playing on the floor with my kids. And um, actually almost always because I just wanted to be awake and with my kids and I was so depressed. That's why I think the mess that all I ever wanted to do was sleep. And it helped me to get up out of bed sometimes. Of course, you know, it didn't make me, I, I'm sure now looking back, I wasn't the best mom I could be because we all know what addiction does to us. Yeah, it's, for some of us. It's yeah, like... I wasn't, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't out there partying like some people. I, I, I would get them and I would be at home. I never really was out partying with anybody because I wanted to be home with my kids. Yeah, that's that's um, that's kind of what I did for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I really, re- yeah, for drinking because cause at the end, drinking was my big thing for ten years. That was like number one for me. Uh, it was uh-huh. just it was always there. You know what I mean? Like there was something. All my other drugs, like I I lost connection sometimes, and obviously I can't just go to the store and buy cocaine. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So when, when my guy stopped picking up and I had no one else, I, I mean, the booze were always there. I, I mean, I always had mess and benzos somehow. Like when I went and got my paycheck, you know, when you have your drug of choice and you get your paycheck, I would go to the store, I would get cigarettes and I would go to the dealers and I would get that. And then, you know, the doctor every three months I would go visit supplied most of my Xanaxes. How, how much... Which, how much do they prescribe? Well, if you don't mind me asking, what were you diagnosed with? Okay, well, I had anxiety disorders for a long time. And after I'd been on the meth for like, I don't know, five years or something, um, it gave me a personality disorders. They said I had multiple personalities because of the meth. I mean, I don't have that disorder now. As soon as I recovered and got off the drugs, the mental illness just went away. 
So you have multiple. People don't realize that, um, you know, meth can cause your brain, it causes your brain not to work right, and it creates some of these mental illnesses. And you had multiple personalities where different personalities, like, would come out of you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I swear, I think it's because all the meth I was doing. And then I would do, like, to, to stay awake all day, I'd be on the meth, and then at night, i take the benzos to crash. So if you think about it, my body was, I was not being real good to my body. That can't be good for your brain or your body. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. Not at all. We uh, have a lot, like, except I didn't, I've never done meth. I have done Adderall, and I used to snort that, and I literally used to just crush up my Klonopin and just mix them together. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, because, like, sometimes if I couldn't find that, I would do that. I mean, it's the same thing, really, that it does to your body. Really? I, so, I, I, I always wondered what meth stuff was like, because um, I've never smoked anything or shot anything like that. How did you take it? How did you... Bless you. Okay, for a long time, I, I did lines and stuff, like, but the few years before my rock bottom, and not even my husband knew about this because he'd already got better, I was shooting it up. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I was, and I was trying to hide it from everybody, even my husband, who saw me all the time. He had to know. He used to always tease me, He'd be, or not tease me. He'd say, hey, honey, how come your arms are folded? Why don't you want to wear that tank top I got you? You know, he knew. It just, I mean, it ended really bad. Like, my rock bottom from all that, the IV meth use and the benzos came to, a, um, my rock bottom for that hit 2016. And I, I actually spent 265 days sober. I mean, I got better. I started running every day. But I didn't change my lifestyle. I still hung out with the same people and did all that. So I ended up thinking it was okay to do meth later as long as I didn't, you know, shoot it up. I, I could still have lines of it. It's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like addicts do. We, we uh, try to tell ourselves it's okay if we do this and not that. But really, it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I completely understand that. So, let me ask you this. Like, why... Did you first shoot up? What was like, was there a reason behind it? Did someone say to you and teach you it? Or what made you do it for oh. the first time with the meth? Well, okay. After you've been doing something so, so long and it doesn't affect you the same. And then I had friends, real close friends by me that did it that way. And it just looked like more fun. And I'm like, well, I want to feel that. So it, it got you, did it, and did it in fact get you more high? It in fact did. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> unfortunately i wish it hadn't have i mean because three years i mean that's the worst three years of my life when i look back on my life those are the three years of my life that make me cringe you know everybody has something in their past when you think about it you're like i don't even want to think about this <laughs> oh no i completely feel i i had a dark two years and i, I call it the dark times yeah, that's what I, I call that, the, the worst three years of my life. <laughs> what kind of stuff? And what was bad is, I, oh, sorry, I felt so alone because, I mean, I I hate to say it, but I, I mean, I was doing it by myself. Nobody knew. I, I would go in the bathroom, pretend I was taking a shower, and, you know, my husband, I didn't tell my husband, my friends, nobody knew. 
it was just this big, ugly, dark secret that was sucking away my will to live. And I can't think of a better way to say that. No, I think I think you you said it. I think you said it. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's what it feels like. It's something that slowly sucks away all your will to live and all your joy, and leaves you an empty shell. Yep. That it does. Mhm. So, at what point in your life did you say, okay? I need to get better. Everything, because our first step, you know, is admitting that your life is unmanageable. You know, in a nutshell. Yes, it's worded a little different, but it's, you know, that your life is unmanageable. And what? basically, joking around, I say to people, if you're saying I can't handle my shit. <laughs> well, the, the first, it happened to me two times, because I had the relapse once. But when I was in 2016... It was April 29th. I'll never forget it because my mom's birthday is April 28th. My husband walked in on me in the bathroom and, you know, I had the needle in my arm and I had the shower running and I didn't realize that I was flooding my whole bathroom because I was pretending to take a shower. And he was so mad that he drove me home and he left. He took my son and they packed his stuff and he left. And... First thing I did was not the right thing, but I drank the whole bottle of Xanaxes I had, probably about 40 of them, the little footballs, and I slept for three days, but when I woke up and I didn't have my husband and I didn't have my son, that moment I decided that I loved them more than I loved anything else and I was not going to lose them, and I flushed everything I had down the toilet, threw um, all the other stuff away, and... I got better, and within 10 days, I had my family back. Wow. That's um, that's an amazing story, 10 days, you know. So, yeah, my husband said, he always tells everybody um, that when I hit rock bottom, I hated it so much that I took a rocket ship back up. <laughs> <laughs> so... What contributed to that motivation? Because that obviously takes a lot of motivation and willingness to move forward and say, I'm going to basically avoid the life I've been living. You know what I mean? Because just so you know, just to hear this, our step six, the way it's worded, is probably something you'll agree with, is we're entirely ready to abandon and no longer live the lifestyle we are currently living. Yes, sir. (laughs) And that, that's a big one. Well, when I woke up after taking way too many Xanaxes and I looked around the house and the two guys, my husband and my son, my daughter was already graduating out of the house, weren't there. They were my reasons for living. It, I mean, I love them more than I love life itself. And that was it. My, my husband didn't break up with me or anything, but he took away from me the only thing that meant more to me than anything else in the world and that was him and my son and I wanted them back in my life no matter what it took I mean there's nothing worth the love of your husband and your children I just wanted them back in my life and I was willing to do whatever it took that's awesome that's amazing did your son at the time, does he remember anything? Did anything happen? You know, does he have any bad or good, like, memories about the drug use? Okay, well, 
the memories that he there's only one bad memory he has, and that's actually six months before that happened. And I tried to kill myself six months earlier because you know the endless drug abuse cycle. And it was the week before Thanksgiving, and I took a whole bottle of Benadryl. And I'm not talking the little bottle. You know how that come in the hundred count bottles? Yes. And you know my husband rushed me to the hospital, and I got locked in this place called Turning Point, and. I was supposed to be at Thanksgiving the next day after that happened with my son at school. And he's, the only bad memory he has is sitting at Thanksgiving alone without his mama because he loves me so much. He, he didn't want any other family there, member by, there besides me. But as far as when I started recovering, because it's three days, it was on a Friday when I took all the Benadryl. So when I woke up, it was a Monday. And I have a really good family. I called my grandma, and she helped me detox. So the whole time I was going through detox, my, my son was staying at my brother's. So every morning, I was there to get him ready for school, and me and grandma drove him to school. And every evening, I was there to take him home. So while I was detoxing, and you know how miserable detox is, yes. I was still taking care of my son. So that, that week when I, I was detoxing, to him, mama was just, there in the morning and there in the evening. He doesn't have bad memories as far as that. That shows amazing. Um, I don't even have to keep worrying without sounding repetitive, but amazing effort, amazing willingness, amazing everything. Because Well, thank you. That's facing a it lot of things at once. <laughs> yeah, because one of the things they teach you out of rehab is to try to not do that. It's try to be one thing at a time. So uh -huh. for you to take on, you know, a multitude of tasks, you know, first of all, first and foremost, getting yourself better, then repairing your relationships and then having specific tasks to repair those relationships. Uh -huh. Sounds like you I had a lot. I wanted it all. I mean, and I've always been like that. I, I, even since when I was little, my grandma said I was the most stubborn person she ever met. And, you know, my mom and brother were going to watch my son when I was detoxing, but... I didn't want him to have memories of me not being there. And my grandma was willing to help me, I mean, so that I could be there to take him to school and pick him up. And then she would, I, I, I guess I should give credit to that woman, though. You said you detoxed off benzos, too. Well, yeah. my 80-year-old grandma stayed with me the first eight days, which are the hard days. The ones where I, I didn't sleep for seven days, I guess, because getting all the benzos out of your system, that must be one of the side effects. And that woman stayed with me day and night. When I was up in the middle of the night, she was up talking to me. I mean, she's the greatest woman on earth. She stayed with me through that whole ordeal. <laughs> that That's amazing because um, I, I went to rehab. So for mm -hmm. me, I did have people checking on me, but they were like the overnight. They called them technicians, but some of them were nurses. Some were just, I guess, training possibly. And I think it was every three hours they would come check on me. Because what you did is really dangerous because... Yeah, and I, that's what I've heard later on in life. I mean, many doctors have told me that. And that's how come when I'm... The people I'm helping, I'm like, y'all shouldn't do it the way I did it. Y'all should really have medical personnel around you. <laughs> Absolutely, because it was funny. When I first got to rehab, I thought everybody else but me was, you know, in danger. And because I felt like heroin and crack and crystal meth was all just much harder than drinking. 
But out of nowhere, everyone looks at me. They're like, bro, you're the only one that can die because alcohol withdrawal and benzo withdrawal are the only two withdrawals that you can die from, from what I know. That's what the nurses, yes. that's what the nurses told me. They said for opiates and crack and all the other stuff I named, it's awful. You feel like you're dying, but you won't actually die. Yeah, that's true. I've heard the same thing. Yeah, so, and I remember having the shakes. Did you get the shakes? Like, my hands were shaking. It was very hard. I had the shakes. I, I remember because I would stare at my hand and I'd be like, why can't you just stay still? <laughs> exactly, because you would feel like you, I would try to relax my hand. And it felt like I was relaxing it, but it would still just shake a little bit. It was It was awful, but... It was only for a few days for me. I actually got real... I progressed pretty quickly. I did too. It was the, the shakes lasted about three days, but the not sleeping's what got me. And I mean, I, I was also coming off meth. So, and usually the side effect from that is you just want to go to sleep and you feel like you have the flu a little bit. But with the benzos, it was not sleeping. And I remember that I'm like, how long am I going to not sleep because of these stupid pills? So I Googled, you know, we have access to Google nowadays, and I Googled how long with somebody that can't sleep from detoxing off of Xanax has, and, it, and I remember it's just day seven, it said eight days at most. And I was so excited, and actually that is the night that I slept, and I still remember how good I slept that night. That was like the best sleep I'd had in so long. That's awesome. That's awesome. So... You have a great, no, I don't want to say great, you have a a corny word I think would be triumphant story where you come out of that, you know. Um, so what is your life like now? You went through the detox, grandma helped you along, which is awesome. It's always great to have support, but like you said, anyone listening, you should have medical personnel around. And yes, sir, I mean, definitely. I recommend you should have medical personnel around. Your blood pressure should be being checked every three hours because your blood pressure is going to get high. You don't want to have a heart attack or stroke while you're trying to detox. Exactly. And that's about it. What's going on in your life nowadays? What's um your life day to day? I just have a normal life. I'm a head maid at a motel. Um, I have my family life. I mean, I have a very, 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 very normal life now. And for us addicts, that's the most amazing thing we can ask for. It's just... A, oh, a, yes. It's, it's, it's a gift from God. And every day, I just... I'm so thankful that I have this life and that my yesterdays are gone and way, way, way in the past. I like that. My yesterdays are gone. That sounds awesome. That's... That's a good sign. Thank you. I mean, that's the best way to say it. Thank God my yesterdays are gone. <laughs> so, um, what are your plans for the future? Do you, do, you, like, do you try to map out anything, or do you just live day-to-day? How's that work for you? Because I know that's very I important. I kind of have to live day-to-day. Anxiety was an issue for me long before I was an addict. And it, it's, I had to live day by day. Like, I'm a head maid in a motel, and, like, some of the maids, when they get to work, they're, they're looking at all the rooms. I'm like, look, for yourself. But I, I even, when I'm doing that, I go one room at a time, you know, one task at a time, one day at a time. And it really is better to just live in the moment. The only thing I do is every week on Monday, I do a We Do Recover photo with, and I, I just, 
put some thoughts there of whatever I'm thinking because I hope somebody will see my weekly We Do Recover photos and they'll think there is hope for me. I can have a better life. You know, addiction isn't a lifetime sentence. Be careful of a relapse because for 200, that, that was not my clean date forever. For 265 days, I did really great. And then one day I decided, you know, benzos and shooting up meth was my, you know, my problem. And I can just do a line and I'll just be fine. And that ended up, let's see, that was in 2017. And my recovery date is 2019, August. So from the 265 days after I started the relapse, that was another two years of my life down the hole. Just because I thought that I could do another drug because it wasn't my drug of choice and I'd be fine. So people should be really careful because as addicts, there's so many things to be addicted to and it can switch into something else before you know it. Yeah, that's that's something I notice is a lot of addicts, they... um they switch their substance of choice. Like for me, one of the things I might lean on is eating. Because I, oh, yeah. I, I can gain, and that can kill you in the long run. Because I can gain, <laughs> I and if I don't if I don't catch myself and, and stop myself, I can gain like 25, 30 pounds in like a week and a half. Like it happens fast with me. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, maybe. And that can be very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, or maybe even three weeks, whatever it is, but. That's because I will just continue to eat, and you know, it's just, and then sometimes I'll lean on other stuff. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. That's how come it's. I think for the rest of your life, it really is a one day at a time program. Because I mean, there's a million other things. It doesn't have to be drugs you're addicted to. You could be addicted to social media. I had one friend that started getting tattoos, and her husband had to like tell her to because she was covering up her whole body she got addicted to that I mean you just got to be careful <laughs> yeah any, anything could become an addiction any pretty much anything but you know that's something at least you know they're not actually using drugs or anything but yeah you something that you don't want to do compulsively and have if you have regrets that's not a good thing yeah you don't want any more regrets I mean as addicts I know that I I've had a lifetime full of regrets and I don't need any more. So I just want to, I love this life. I'm living my best life now, and, and I want to stay on this course. Well, there you go. So I think we've got everything. All okay. right, I just want to say thank you to Amanda M. for sharing her story with us. It was amazing of her story of active addiction until recovery and how she stays sober. It was amazing. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much, and remember, we do recover. Yes, we absolutely do. We do recover. If you like this episode, please rate us in iTunes. Please also check out our blog at addicts-anonymous.com and check out our Facebook group. We'll be giving away free chips and free cause bracelets. So check it out. Till next time.